This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How many of you are glad you are not in an airport right now? How many of you are glad you are not on I-95 right now? Anyone willing to admit that you're going to go on either one of those places in the next 24 hours? Okay, I, I, I figured there'd be a couple hands. Uh, just some reminders that some of you are like, well, I'm glad now, but thanks for reminding me, Pastor. Now I know I have to get into that, uh, all of those adventures and those travels. Even as I was talking to the children just moments ago uh, and a message to them, travel, where we're going, the idea of being gathered around family, the scrambling to recreate memories. Do you ever find that in, in Christmas? Sometimes you scramble a lot to recreate a memory that you had from a previous year. We've got to make it look like, you know, and, and some of us have different, like what the perfect Christmas was. That was the year we all sat in a circle and, you know, and sang a song, or that was the year we all lit a candle and we, and we talked about, you know, great, great grandma, you know, whatever that would be, but just we want to recreate that memory. Well, if you have your Bible, open up to Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to spend some of our time as we start, and I want to talk about this journey, as I was mentioning to the children as well, this idea of family. See, that's how it starts in Luke's account, even before Jesus is born. So before his birth, it seems to be all about family. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country. Sounds like she's getting ready for Christmas, right? Everything's moving with haste. She's going quickly. So she moves with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. So Mary is going to go see Elizabeth. She herself is pregnant. And as she travels there, uh, it starts to, at least for me, all this travel, it stirs up songs like, I'll be home for Christmas. How many of you like, I'll be home for Christmas? And it just kind of stirs up this, you know, I'll, I'll be home for Christmas, gets all these images. Uh, and the moment you start singing it, then you, you start to get the picture of snow and mistletoe. I knew someone would finish it for me. Snow and mistletoe and... Okay, see, so yeah, enough of you caught on in presents under the tree. That's right. So we're all kind of there. We're, we're now going to be there. Because Christmas, after all, is a time for family. So we've got this. So we've got Mary's running to go see a family member, Elizabeth, and she's doing it with haste. So she's kind of ahead of her time, right? Christmas hasn't really happened, but she's already making these Christmas family plans. Uh, and I realize that's not true, but it does kind of stir up this idea of I'll be home for Christmas. Now, as we think about I'll be home for Christmas, it got me thinking about the song, which is actually recorded by Bing Crosby in 1943. He records it in the fall of that year, and it becomes one of the greatest songs uh, for that era. Uh, and actually does a whole lot for people that some of us forget. And I want to paint a bigger picture for you of that song, uh, and it involves a chaplain. He's a chaplain on uh, the USS North Carolina, a battleship uh, that is in the Pacific Theater, and the chaplain, somewhere around August, decides to talk to all the troops and says, if you would like, give me $5 and write down the names of your children. And with the $5, I'm going to write to Macy's and ask them to get gifts for all the children, uh, and they will give gifts from their fathers on Christmas Day. He said, I'm sure Macy's will do it. Well, not only does Chaplain uh, Wibbins do this, he gets a total of over $2,400 from the men on that ship, which totals 729 brothers, sisters, and children. Because many of them are brothers and sisters. These are men 18, 19, 20, so they've got you know, younger siblings uh, who they're hoping to get uh, some money to. So Wibbins does this, sends it to Macy's, and as Macy's goes forward, they, they buy all the gifts for the crew, uh, and as they move forward and the Christmas season approaches, they have a Christmas program. 
And the Christmas program, uh, the chaplain put this together so they could have some, uh, something nice on the 25th because they actually discover before they won't just not be home, they'll actually be at sea. They will actually be engaged uh, in conflict uh, as they're moving out. So on that day they come forward, but Macy's has an extra surprise for them. What they did not know, in addition to getting the 729 gifts to all of the children, Macy's invited all the family members to come to them to record a movie. So all of those family members, as they're sitting there on the USS North Carolina on the Christmas of 1943, at the end of the show, the chaplain says, there's one more thing. And he shows them, and men are crying and weeping as their kids and brothers and sisters are waving at them, saying Merry Christmas to them, uh, and saying all these things. You see, the chaplain knew what I'll Be Home for Christmas was about. See, I'll Be Home for Christmas, some of you already knew this. The phrase, I'll Be Home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. They weren't going home for Christmas. Some of them never get home. You see, this whole picture of why I'm taking time to even develop this is to realize uh, what happens at Christmas isn't really just about family. You see, Christmas is really about broken families. It's about families who don't <laughs> have everything together, who aren't going to be gathered at the holidays, who, who aren't going to have presents under the tree, the whole song that Bing records was very clearly just a picture of, I have this idea of what I want Christmas to be. I don't know what's going to happen for you in two days. But I guarantee you with a room of this many people, some of you are going to have a Christmas day that is not what you have in your dreams. I just know that. I've lived enough life to realize someone's going to have a Christmas day where you're like, that is not how Christmas 2018 was supposed to happen. Because my picture of what was going to happen with my family was completely different. But the image of what happens with a chaplain as he gets there is he knew the joy of realizing not only would he share that image, but he was then able to speak to a bunch of men to take them even further to realize Christmas wasn't just about seeing their families. Somehow, miraculously, he pulled that off, though, didn't he? He let them see their families at war on a battleship in the Pacific. He brought their families there. But the most important thing that, oddly enough, Lutheran chaplain Wibbins did was bring that out. I was shocked. I'm like, wow, look at that. There's a Lutheran hiding on a battleship. Well, there he was. He was doing what he did, but most importantly, he brings Christ. And he brings this message. He brings our first reading of the prophet, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. See, this is speaking, as the prophet writes, of Christ who's coming to stand in the middle of a broken world that seems in chaos. I can think of no more broken place than war. War's horrible. It's atrocious. We paint it as if it's this wonderful thing. Why we continue to elect like leaders of war into elected office, I realize they've done great things, but it's somewhat tragic that like our greatest hero is those who actually go into conflict. Man, I'd love to think, this is why the scripture also talk about what? There'll come a day where we'll actually take those swords and bend them into plowshares, which isn't just about that. It's actually about what? The day of the Lord. That Christ is the only one that can remove that. Micah writes these words, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. He shall be their peace. Peace doesn't come at the ends of a conference. The Potsdam Conference of 1945, of which many of you have no idea what it's about, did not fix world peace. All it did was set the stage for new problems. This is what most pieces actually do. Uh, if you look at most peace agreements, there are very few that actually fix things. 
They fix some things and create unthings, unintended consequences. I bet you've had unintended consequences in your family this past year. Something where you thought you were settling the peace of your family. The Great Peace Conference of the Family, September 2018. We agreed how Christmas would go this year. And one of you will just look at me next Sunday and you'll just wink. And it'll be your secret way of saying, the peace conference did not work. You won't have to tell me. You'll just say, it's good to be here. And I'll say, it's good you're here. Because God's peace shall dwell in your life. God's peace shall reign. Listen to the beginning of Micah 2, uh, Micah 5, 2 through 3. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. God takes little insignificant people and makes them somethings. Do you ever have the insignificant family member? You probably felt that way. Some of you are probably still banished to the kids' table. Anyone willing to admit you're still at the kids' table? Yeah, see, a couple of you way past the age of when you thought you'd be done with the kids' table, you're still there. And then you have kids and your family does what? You've been banished back to the kids' table. You're like, I had just risen to greatness and now I've been sent back. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are too little among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. You see, Christmas is about a reminder that God set this into motion long before you and I thought we had a problem. From ancient days. God's wisdom is not one that's quickly changing. It is one that continues to hold us day in and day out. The core of Hebrews 10, which was our second reading, Hebrews 10, 5 to 10, our second reading is about Jesus' willing sacrifice that he willingly goes into a place for you and for me and he offers up his perfection and takes upon his shoulders our imperfection. You see, the encounter that the shepherds have, they felt insignificant and God made them great. <laughs> there are probably a few of you who think, man, when I get my own house, I want a manger. And there are probably no mothers presently who would say, yeah, that's where I want to birth my child. <laughs> interesting anecdote about how the rest of the world views this. Uh, North America has an interesting view about the birth of Jesus because we are convinced that this is really uh, impressive. Did you know how this story plays out in uh, continents like Africa? Mary's birth in a manger? Okay. To them, it's what? It's normal and commonplace. They get much more excited uh, about hearing the shepherds and the wise men and all these other stories. We get so impressed with, oh, she did such a great job. I mean, wow, manger, well done. And they sit there and they go, I can connect with her. Manger, man, I didn't get a manger. We got significantly less than, I mean, I've just realized this story connects across so many places. But a reminder of saying that and showing the illustration is, don't get hung up on the part that actually happens all the time. Children are born all the time. It's the fact of who that child is. And it's not the location of the birth. It's why is there a birth. There is a birth because there are broken families. That's why the birth happens. I don't need you to raise hands to tell me if you have a broken family. If you live on God's green earth, your family's broken. You can pretend it's not. You can say, I fixed it. Your family is broken. Your family is in need of a Savior to correct and draw it back unto itself. Now, as Mary goes and sees Elizabeth, you get that image uh, of as, as Mary comes in, Elizabeth says the baby does what? Leaps inside of her. 
I want to look at the text in that, just so you can kind of get this picture. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste. So we're back where we were, but we're going to keep going. Rose with haste to the town of Judah. She gathered to the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cries out in a loud cry. Now, I hope you catch this. The Holy Spirit fills her. This is something Luke adds to us to tell. And then she speaks. So the Holy Spirit is in Elizabeth, and she speaks and says, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Guess who spoke first? In this case, the Holy Spirit does, but to share kind of in earthly terms, Elizabeth speaks first. Mary doesn't come in and say, Oh, you'll never believe, Elizabeth. Listen to this. You've got to hear this. It's the first reminder of us. God moves in us to give you the faith and ability to say, That is the Savior of the Lord. Elizabeth says this, but Luke makes sure you know she doesn't say it because somehow she, she has some you know, special thing or she heard, you know, because you know, the neighbors were talking and they heard. No. Luke says the Holy Spirit fills her and she says, blessed are you among women and blessed are the fruit of your womb. A couple other things as you're unique. No jealousy. I, I bet you probably never even thought about this, but think about it in this lens. Elizabeth isn't upset that she wasn't chosen. Now, I don't know how your family is, but my brother and I were highly competitive. Now, I realize my brother and I couldn't have kids. I get it. So I, the illustration kind of breaks, but I, I, had no, I had no sisters, so I'm sorry. But if I got something, there was a part of my brother who thought, man, why didn't I think of that? Elizabeth, a family member, hears this, and she goes, blessed are you. She's excited. She's encouraged. You see, this is the Lord taking families that... Our families have a tendency to wish that we got something. If you don't believe me, just watch Christmas Day a little different as people open gifts. Just watch it. And, and don't say, Pastor told me this would happen. Don't. Just, you know, just, you know like, kind of like Mary, just take all those things and ponder them in your heart. So just use it that way. Just ponder it in your heart. Don't be like, see, he told me you would react this way. No. But watch it. Someone will get a gift and you'll see someone else on the other side of the room do this. Just grab whatever they're there and grip it a little bit tighter. Or they'll do, hmm, wonder how much that cost. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. They didn't have the money for that. I'm better than they are. I, you know that it's true. So much of this happens. You're only laughing because you're all going, how does he know my Christmas? Because I've had Christmases too. And I have a family. And then there's the one family member who you just can't outgift, so you just gave up. And you're like, winter washer fluid. <laughs> I mean, you know they'll use it. So you're happy they'll use it, and you just realize, okay, wow, you got me an iPhone 10. I was not going to compete, but I do know you'll use your windshield washer fluid, so <laughs> yay. But remember, this gift that comes forward, you don't have to outgift God. He doesn't want you to. And if you think that Christmas, what do I have to give back? How many cookies can I give because it's Christmas and Jesus did all this? No. God comes to Elizabeth and says, here's the greatest gift. I'm going to remake your family in a way that you could never, ever imagine. She's just humbled to be there. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. What's happening in Elizabeth's life right now in this text? Yeah. See, don't miss that. She's pregnant. Now, if there's one thing I've learned about... Man, I'm on thin ice here. I have to word this right. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I know some of you are like, how's he going to pull this one off? I know. I had it here, but I'm not sure if where it comes out is going to go all that well. 
those who are great with child uh, are very uh, adept at hearing things that are spoken. So when one pregnant woman's around another, they kind of like their baby to be the... Yeah, they do like their baby to be the center. Like, there's nothing worse than hearing in a family, hey, we're expecting. And then you're real excited, and then guess what happens two weeks later? We are too. And you're like, what? No. That was to be my shining moment. And then all they care about is the second announcement. Like, the first one's like, well, you know, you were announced, but, you know, hey, here it is. Uh, and I share it, and some, this may not have been your experience, but I share with you, it is for many. So the fact that Elizabeth is so excited for her relative, this is God going, man, there's something awesome happening. And she goes, yeah, you know why? Because that is my Savior. Now, Elizabeth knows as well, John the Baptist is going to prepare the way. She knows that. Uh, Zachariah has shared all of that. She knows that there's something great the Lord is doing in her, because Elizabeth knew what about her own womb. It was... B-A-R-R-E-N, barren. She should not have had a child. She knows she as well is blessed, but she's willing to say God can do greater things that don't have to include me. But she also found out it did because she needed that Savior as much as Mary did and as much as you and I do, that we need that to move forward. So Christmas isn't just about being home. Bing Crosby indeed sings, I'll be home for Christmas. But home really isn't a house. <laughs> home really isn't always the people that you're gathered around. There are some people that Christmas, they are no longer with their, what we might call family at all. But they're with the very people that they would never dream of Christmas in any other way uh, to be settled there. I had someone write me in this past week just asking, hey, is, is there anything that we could do to serve others or just an activity we might do on Christmas Day? And I shared with them several of the, the homes in town uh, who are preparing meals and doing places uh, and contacting churches say, hey, they're always looking for extra helping hands uh, on that day. Because uh, some people will celebrate Christmas on, I know it's gonna, some of you won't like it, like the 26th or like the 28th. Uh, did you know that on Christmas Day lots of people will work? I know a lot of you know that because some of you are going, yeah, I'm among them, I know that. But remember, you need those people as well. You need them all to be there. Christmas isn't just about this one little neat picture of us gathering around and mistletoe and presents under the tree. It's a wonderful image. It is. And I know for many of us, we aspire to have that. And if you're chasing it and you've got the mistletoe hung, go for you. I don't know where to buy mistletoe unless it's like at AC Moore or somewhere else. And it's just plastic, but, you know, you can all pretend. But what God's doing in family is realizing your family is broken and I'm here to mend it. Your family needs assistance and I am willing to share it. Christmas isn't merely about being home. It certainly isn't just in your dreams. See, I don't want you to take the illustration of a chaplain on a boat to remind them of, oh, that was such a great image. No, the greatest image is that the chaplain's able to tell those men on that day, God came for you. And God is healing your family at this very hour, even as your family is healing you through their smiles and through their faces in a video that he recorded. Christmas is the fulfillment of God's promise that peace would be on earth. And may you carry that peace, the peace that passes all understanding through this entire season from Christmas Eve to Christmas Day all the way through to Epiphany. Because Christmas is just dawning. Christmas will begin for us and those 12 days of Christmas will carry us through that God's promise will come to every bit of brokenness in our lives and offer His peace.
Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.